are now joined by our friend Jason Greger, host of the Jason Greger Show, 2 to 6. All kinds of rumors involving all kinds of players from Anthony Mantha to Chris Tanev. Jason, what what do you think about the Oilers now? If there were a priority, is it defense? Is it like Janmark's playing second line right wing tonight? Yeah, well, that's that. That's not the long-term option. I think, you know what, uh, that's rewarding a guy who's got three goals in four games and, and had a spirited scrap and is reliable defensively, so you, you move him up there. Uh, you know, he's big and strong on the wall, doesn't make a lot of mistakes, not getting scored on a ton. So uh, right now those guys are valuable because, you know, the Oilers' biggest problem, again, is their inability at times to play sound defense. They showed they can do it for 32 games, yeah. right? And so I think they're capable of doing it. They showed it down the stretch, but then they kind of revert back. And, you know, Matias Ekholm, I talked to him today, and he feels like, you know what, you go away for that break, you're on a heater, you come back and you you don't remember that it's gonna, it's harder than you think it is because right. you've won 16. And so now they're kind of playing catch-up. So I think tonight's a really good test for them. We'll see if they're ready to break out again or not. Uh, the Calgary game was awful in the first period. They were sloppy. They did pull it within 3-2, to two, but obviously it was, was too late. Um you know, do they need a second line uh, winger? Sure, I, I think that's something that they need. Uh, I'd still like a little bit more um, scoring and size and speed in their bottom six, yeah. specifically on their fourth line. Um, you know, they're going to get a number seven defenseman. Can they get a top four D? Like, you can't add all these things. No, you can't. Right? No. Um, and I know people say, well, "What about a goalie?" Well, who? Mark Andre Fleury says he's staying in Minnesota. You'll see Soros isn't coming here. Yeah. So, so. who's the like? There, there's really no external goaltending option. The team's got to play better. Stuart Skinner's got to play better. Calvin Pickard's got to play better. The, the whole team's got to play better defensively too. Like um, their top guys, yeah, they're producing lots. But since you know the All Star break, McDavid's been on the ice for 14 goals against five on five. Bouchard 12, Ekholm 12, Nurse 10. Right, like it's your big minute eater guys are at Hyman 10 or 12. They're just they're on the ice for too many goals against. Well, and and the, like in the game on Saturday night, Bouchard gets the puck, shoot it in because he had he had momentum. He was going to get in. He tries to make a move and it's jailbreak the other way. And I'll give Kadri. Uh, credit he he pushed McDavid away and McDavid could not get inside because it was a jailbreak. Puck goes in the net and all of a sudden they're playing catch up again. And I like attention to details what we talk about, but you you don't have to win the game in the first shift of the game. You can lose it though. Yeah, well they're, they're back to their one Achilles heel has been, and and I I think they they've shown they figured it out, but then they they forget it sometimes and. The thing is, their offense doesn't suffer when they play good defense, right? Yeah. Last year down the stretch, uh, under Woodcroft, and they were the highest scoring team in the league, and they were the eighth best offensive team in the league. This year, when they were the second best uh, team over 32 games defensively, they were the fourth best offensive team. And since the All-Star break, they're, uh, you know, in the 10 games, they're at... Uh, 3.7 goals, and really in their last nine, they're at four goals a game. Offense isn't the problem. No. But they are leaking goals all over the place. Obviously, Stuart Skinner's got to be better, no question. You know, we've seen some goals go in, and he just, he, he's got to make better saves. But, the, the, you know, the orders have turned the puck over way more frequently. Uh, now they're, they're back to flipping the puck out of the zone a little bit too much as a defensive nope. unit. And while it's the safe play, it just allows the other team to recover. Now you're playing defense longer. And you look at the last three games, like I watched. Now the Minnesota game, really, the, the second and third period, they're actually, I thought, pretty good defensively. They mm -hmm. didn't give up much. And, you know, they gave up some goals. And you're just like, like the Brodeen goal, that goal can't go in. Right. right? But that's not a no. bad defense. So right. 
Um, but the Calgary game, there's long stretches where Calgary would cycle the puck out for 30, 40 seconds, and you get tired when you're defending all the time. And Edmonton wasn't doing that when they were winning. So I'm going to see tonight, really, how much defensive zone time do they spend? That, to me, is the key. The good thing for the Oilers is, although L.A. and Calgary and others have uh, obviously had a good run in the last 10 games, the teams ahead of them, Vancouver and Vegas, have been 4-5-1 and one as well. So they they are still, you know, keeping pace at least, even during a period of time when they haven't played well. Yeah, the, like this 10-game stretch, hasn't. it's not debilitating, right? It's, it's not like early in the season, right? Like the order is actually, there's games where they played well and probably could have won and didn't, mm-hmm. right? And the Dallas game mixed in the middle of this was actually probably their best game by far. Like that was a really sound game for the order. So um, can they do it? Yes. Will they? I don't know. That's yeah. And that's the challenge. And um, do, I don't know if it really changes much, to be honest, Al. I'm never one who's like, oh, hey, you know, like people like when everybody was all excited about Fogle, I'm like, hey, Warren Fogle is what Warren Fogle is. He's a good third line player. Yeah. And yeah, he got on a heater, but that doesn't mean he's your answer for your second line. Now, if you think you have six guys that can rotate in there. Corey Perry for five games, Matthias Janmark, Warren Fogel, Ryan McLeod, Dylan Holloway, you could get away with that. Yeah. And you could say, okay, you know what? That's what we're going to look at. We're going to go with the hot hand for our second line, and we're going to go with five top six players, and the rest is going to be by committee. Okay, I can understand that. Because offense, again, to me, isn't the order's issue. It's do they have more reliable defensive players? That To me, that's what they need. Like You go out there, and I know he's a little bit banged up now and stuff, but still, Dowd, right? that's a name I keep coming yeah. back to. When he's on the ice, you're not getting scored on, and that's that's just the truth. Jason Gregor, our guest, he'll be on the radio 2 to 6 this afternoon. Um, when I look at this team and what they have built through a really bizarre kind of a year, um, the one thing that I, that I think that we can, you know, rely on obviously is McDavid and Dreisaitl and Hyman playing well. I think Bouchard is emerging here. How important is Ryan McLeod, no matter where he plays, down the stretch and into the playoffs? I actually thought McLeod, Kane, and Yanmark were quite good against Calgary. And Chris Knobloch talked about that, and, and he said, like, I won't be shocked if we see Nugent Hopkins and McLeod, depending on how the game goes, switch lines potentially. Because he liked the McLeod, Kane, Yanmark line, but he said, you know, they were looking at it. The only thing he doesn't like is there's a lot of disruptions because of special teams and how you work the guys, how can you get them in? So, um, yeah, you know, Ryan McLeod, Al, you and I have, have looked at the numbers of winning teams over the years, and, you know, like that seventh forward is a pretty important player, yes. and usually it's it's your third-line center. So, yeah, like McLeod is still a young player in the grand scheme of things, and, um, you know, he's shown you spurts of what he can do. Right uh, when he takes the puck to the net, he's a much more dangerous player than if he just settles for the outside romp around the net type of play. So, I think McLeod, like last year, they had McLeod and Bukestad, and 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 they're not mm-hmm. getting Bukestad for anybody who's wondering be- no. because of the you know the, they're not gonna they can't afford a two point one million, and uh, Arizona's not they can't do a retained salary because he was on their team. So, anywho. Could they find another Bukestad 100% Al? Then I think there's a healthy competition. So that's why, to me, Nick Dowd can be a third-line center if need be. He isn't right. just your prototype fourth-line center. And if he's playing better than McLeod, then McLeod's your fourth center. If he's your fourth center, I think your team's pretty deep. In the last 12 games, in the last month, which is 12 games, um, Evander Kane on the ice, 60% goal share at 5-on-5. And yet I still hear people talk <laughs> about Evander Kane and what wow. he isn't doing. But but honestly, it's the people that are talking. At some point, you're just like, they're not. It's like anti-vaxxers, no offense. 
Like there's there's not a there's not a lot of substance to it. Oh. Okay, so I don't really. They can they're allowed to voice their opinion, but I'm allowed to say it's ridiculous. Yeah, I just I think that that look if if you take away, I think it's two goals for and eleven against when Kane and Connor Brown are on the ice together this and year. And that was early in the yeah. year, right? If yeah. you take that out of Evander Kane's uh, resume, he's been a pretty productive player, and he's scoring goals. Yeah. Okay. You know, like Kane's physical. The orders are still a pretty soft team. Like I know Matthias Janmark shocked the world with he that did. spirited scrap <laughs> and it was great, right? He's a big, strong guy. I don't expect him to fight all the time, but I'm like, yeah, you know what? Be a little ornerier. That's that was fan. Like, I loved it. Like, I really like it showed the gamesmanship goes, hey, you rocked our best player. I'm sorry. Now they were chatting earlier and I loved it. Like how it came about. That was awesome. It's a battle of Alberta. That's how it should be. Right. But I look at the orders overall and come playoff time, any person out there remotely suggesting that Evander Kane shouldn't be in the owner's top six forwards isn't paying attention to how playoff hockey's played. Now, Evander Kane isn't a perfect player. Is Evander Kane a selfish player at times? 100%. No. But I take the whole package. I don't just look at the few things I don't like and be like, well, let's replace him with so-and-so because I like his uh, Corsi 4. Like, no, it doesn't make any sense. Also, his, I think his issue, the one issue he has is not speed. It's transporting the puck. But he's got Dry Settle or McDavid on his line. He doesn't have to do yeah, that. And, and Kane's never really be a big... Tr- like Kane's good if you get the puck in, with speed and he'll go down the left side. No problem, mm-hmm. right? Um, you don't want him weaving through the neutral zone no. with the puck, but he doesn't really do it. For, like, I rarely see Evander. And, hey, Evander Kane's not a great passer, but I don't expect him to be. That, oh. Like, don't get, well, geez, not a very good passer. Okay, well, who do we have that's a very good passer you're going to replace him with that can <laughs> <Everybody>. score 30 <laughs> goals a year, right? Like, that's what he does. He's yeah. nine times as a 20-goal scorer, right? He can be a definite 25 to 30-goal scorer, and he brings you an element that the team grossly lacks. Totally. Physicality works. It yeah. matters. Also, they've got the passers till the cows come home. Oh, they God. need a shooter, and yeah. he is one. Yeah, he can shoot them, and he can yeah. score from distance too when need be. I, I think that uh, um, the the back to back and the three three games and four nights side of this conversation has sort of been a downplayed, and I get it; people are upset. But th- you talked a long time ago about how difficult the schedule is now to the end of the year, and how they are going to have tough times, and these struggles are going to occur. So. Um, I mean, I think they're handling the goaltending pretty well. Do you think we'll see a defenseman before the deadline play a game for the Oilers, or are they running these six until the deadline? Well, Broberg's banged up, so I don't, I don't see anybody else in the minors. They're not calling up Phil Kemp to take out Vincent DeHarnay. Right. So um, the only way there's a defenseman playing before the deadline is if they acquire one before right. the deadline, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I do. I, I'm curious to see which defenseman they get because 100 percent they're getting a defenseman. Like mark that. That's the one thing that I can, you know, be very confident on. I'm, now I'm not saying it's going to be a top end defenseman. I'm just Ooh. saying it's a defenseman. Edmondson, or you something. know, probably yeah. a number seven who's going to play, and you're going to have to play him some games, right? Like there is going to be somebody who's eventually nicked up here or there, or guess what? You can create a little internal competition and maybe somebody gets a night off because they're not playing great. So, you know, that'll happen. I, I think they'll eventually there'll be a little bit more competition right now. You know, the, the coach, he's got his 12 forwards. He pretty much plays those 12 forwards, right? Uh, there's not a lot of internal competition. I think that's going to change no. uh, after after the deadline. So, you know, the orders will improve. They're, they're going through a funk now. Um, they're not a perfect team. This is a good reminder for management to not be like, oh, we don't have to do much. I think the orders are going to do something. Yeah, it's going to be – are you surprised we had kind of a dry – we have the two big trades. Yeah, but, but it's been almost like there's been one trade in February. Yeah, right? so it's been like – we get, it, the ball st- has to start rolling eventually. Soon, do you think, or another week? Well, what, it's next Friday is the deadline. Um, 
I, I think there's a few things at play here. Right now, the asking price for some guys is pretty high, and some teams are like, I don't want to pay that. Mm-hmm. So um, if nobody makes a trade out, then everybody's even, yeah. right? So we can say it's a, it's, a, it's a seller's market. Well, it's only a seller's market for a while. Then it becomes a buyer's market because everybody's buying late, and they're like, I'm not going to give you that. So right. if, if, if Al doesn't want to give it to you and, you know, Tony doesn't want to give it to you. And Jay, well, what's your value? Now suddenly Chris Tanev, even though you might want a first, now all of a sudden you only get a second, right? Yeah. So it kind of now could worse the other way if all of a sudden a few teams start making deals and now other teams like, damn, I need this guy. All of a sudden there's three or four bidding on him. So I think there's a little bit of a cat and mouse game, but I talked to GM on Saturday and he told me it's actually been quite quiet. Like he's surprised at how quiet it is, but he goes, it'll pick up. He just didn't know when it would pick up. So my gut tells me, Alec, I think this week might be slow. And mm. I think it probably starts to heat up maybe, uh, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. It's like selling bread. Fresh, you can sell it all day. Day old, probably. By day two, you're having a hard time moving it. I would think so. I've there never sold go. bread. <laughs> <laughs> What's coming up on the show? Uh, well, TR will join us. Uh, some big news. Alfonso Davies. Yes. Going wow. to Real Madrid. So we'll talk uh, Andy Petrillo with that. Of course, uh, we'll have lots on the orders. And the LA Kings, who, by the way, are tied with 68 points. Pretty yeah. big game tonight. The oh, orders yeah. do have a game in hand. They're both three points back of Vegas. And uh, the race has just tightened up in the Pacific, Al, yeah. right? Um, L.A. has, uh, they're 6-2 and two in their last eight, so they've gained a lot of ground on both Edmonton and Vegas, and now suddenly they're back in. But the one good news for the Oilers is that old, uh, Mr. Anderson is not playing tonight oh, for L.A., right? Really? He got banged up, so he'll miss his second. It's not serious, I'm told, but he's not playing tonight. And uh, he's a consistent thorn in the side of the end. He totally is. He knows how to play against McDavid. He does it quite well in combination with him and Deneau. And so not having Anderson, I, you know, I'm curious. Like, obviously, they'll have Dowdy and Gavrikov, I, I'm guessing. But Anderson did a really good job yeah. against him. So that that's something to look at tonight, the matchups. And watch for Dubois and Byfield. Like, I'm curious what Knobloch does because... Right now, I'd want McDavid's line out against Dubois and Byfield. Like, yeah. I'm not too con- like Kempe's good too, and, mm-hmm. and Kopitar, but Byfield right now is a really dangerous player. And he is. They put Dubois with him to get Dubois going. Yeah. And it's worked. And like, Deneau's line is probably the one that they're going to want out against McDavid's line. But then that means, you know, McLeod and Nugent Hopkins have to go up against Dubois and Kopitar. And that's not necessarily ideal. Nugent versus Kopitar. You could write a book about that over the years because Kopitar is filthy and he's big and he's oh. strong and he doesn't, you know, he, yeah. and Adrian he, Kempe, man. Like, oh, they're tough. Now they have the Perrier on that line, which is okay. kind of odd, but, um, you know, that's what they've. Hiller's come in and made a few changes. Number one being he put Byfield with Dubois to try to get Dubois going because they got Deneau with Fiala and more. And then you put uh, Byfield with Dubois, and that's really helped. So, you know, L.A., they don't have the top-end guys, but they got a pretty good bounce. It's going to be a really tough test. Like McLeod's and Fogles and Nugent Hopkins and Canes, those guys are going to have to be ready for the second and third line matchups. And that Byfield can make really good defensemen look silly. So he's oh, did you see be- that goalie score oh the other day? God. Oh, that it was guy's against be a beast, man. pretty good player, right? Yes. All right, Jason, uh, thank you.